The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. 13 weeks and with five games remaining, their team's number one in the UFC. Yeah. Your, your reaction to that? Um, call me when it's a 13-game season, and I'll be excited to talk about the next game. Mike McDaniel trying to keep things in perspective, and if you watched Hard Knocks this week, in the run-up to the game against the Commanders, he was talking a lot about how the Dolphins were 8-3 and three last year and went on to lose five in a row before winning their final game of the season, making it to the postseason, and going one and done. You could tell he was very happy about getting to 9-3. and three. So he is paying attention to the bigger picture, but there's an even larger picture they have to avoid stepping into a trap that causes them to start losing games. He lived through it last December. He's bracing for it and hoping to avoid it this December, and I think they will. I don't think they're about to go on a protracted losing streak, mainly because they have games coming up that they should win, starting with Monday night, the doubleheader. At the same time, it's not even a doubleheader. It's a simultaneous Monday night game. Packers-Giants, Titans-Dolphins, I don't like it. I don't think you like it. They didn't ask us, not that they ever would, ever could, or ever should, but it'll be Titans-Dolphins, and they should get to 10-3. and three. It would be a surprise if they don't. No, it, it, it would be. I mean, it, you know, we, we know Miami is really good, right? Yeah, last year they fell apart in December. Right? Lost to the 49ers, you remember that? Lost to the Chargers. Lost to the Buffalo Bills at Buffalo. Then there was the Christmas Day game with Tua. He got hit in the head, right, through some bad second-half interceptions to make us question that whole process once again. Then they lose the next week with the backup quarterback. So, yeah, this is a month of proving something to themselves. And, you know, with the Miami Dolphins, you always talk about, 
right? Cold weather games, stuff like that. Are they going to be able to handle all of that? Uh, I know they got no real issues in the, on their schedule other than that Baltimore. But the the thing, the point I'm going to was going to get to with Miami and and you know uh, they have the Cowboys. The Cowboys oh, the come Cow- to town too. Oh the, well, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, cold weather. I was saying uh, because they got the oh, Cowboys okay. at home, right? Outside and Ravens are the only cold Never weather mind. game. All good. All good. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, I was but, half listening. Yeah, four of their final five games are at home. Yes, which is a big plus. Right, it is. It's a big plus because we know how good they are down there on that fast track down on the. In, in South Florida, but I, I don't, you know, we know they're good back to the point I'm trying to make here. It's, it's how good it's just, it's, it's rare to be this far into a season, right. And go, wow. A team that's sitting here at nine and three doesn't really have a, you know, in quotes, big time win the whole season. And that's where it's rare. So that's what I think our last piece of the puzzle is with Miami is just, you know, how good, how gritty are they? Uh, and, you know, how can they finish out this season, I think, which will take some gritty wins, and, and we'll learn a lot about them before the playoffs start here in December. I mean, barely beat the Chargers to start the season, right. beat the Patriots, who we'll talk about in a minute, by only a touchdown. Then came the 50-point blowout over the Broncos. Then the huge loss, 48-20, at Buffalo that caused everyone – to wonder right. what is this team all about, what is it going to be. So as we get down the stretch, it is the Titans, the Jets, the Cowboys, at the Ravens, and then they finish with a game against the Bills. And that is not going to be an easy game because the Bills quite possibly will need that game to get into the postseason given the way things are currently tracking. I doubt the Bills are going to be mathematically eliminated going into Week 18, and the Dolphins presumably will still be playing for the number one seed. That game at Baltimore stands out, though, Christmas Eve, not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, yeah. something Eve, New Year's Eve, twelve thirty-one, Week 17. That stands out as the biggest game yet, although it is one game after the Cowboys on Christmas Eve go to South Florida. So the last three games... Not going to be easy. The next two, okay. Then we get into the final rush and can they hold it together and can they capture the one seed? And that's a huge, you know, the home field advantage isn't as much of an advantage as it used to be week in and week out. But if you're talking about the Dolphins staying home for the postseason versus yeah. the Dolphins, it feels like it's bigger this year to Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. To, to have that, to get the week off and to have that benefit. If, especially if you're the Dolphins, to play those big games in your stadium, it's it's far more significant than it's been in past years. No, for them. definitely. And 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 we've yet to see Patrick Mahomes leave Arrowhead Stadium in a playoff game, which it, it it's just amazing as well. We talked yesterday about that Chiefs Dolphins Christmas Day game, 1971 triple overtime. Maybe there's a Chiefs Dolphins classic looming in the postseason. Well, it's it's a gift from the schedule gods that they got four of their last five games in December at home. And to your point with home field advantage, yeah, we've seen that it's maybe not as big a deal. This is a year where you know you can look at it and go, I, I think we can find three teams that are in the conversation for home field advantage where it is a big deal to them. You know, we know the 49ers, the records, the numbers, the stats show us they're better at home. They've lost two games in the last two years at home. The Chiefs last year, the Bengals this year. The Dallas Cowboys, that's, that's all we talk about, how what they are. So that it's, it's big for them. 
And then, of course, Miami. Yeah, Miami being at home, not having to go on the road and play, like you said, Kansas City in the cold weather, Baltimore maybe again in the cold weather, right? Big advantage for them. It's an advantage, too, because when you go down to South Florida early January, it actually works in their favor as is, you know, the vice versa of, oh, Miami's got to go to the cold in December and January. Now, wait, team that's been in the cold, whoa, you know, we're here in a four-quarter game, and it's a little hotter than we're used to. We're not used to playing in 80-degree weather here in the middle of January. We're from Baltimore. We're from Kansas City. That'll help them as well. It'll wear teams out. It'll test their, you know, conditioning. So there are some positives, uh, certainly, about Miami winning out and winning home field to, to what you're saying, Mike. The three losses against three good teams. The Bills were a great team at the time it happened, and we don't have that signature victory yet for the Miami Dolphins still waiting for it the first opportunity comes at home week 16 against the Cowboys and then another opportunity one week later at the Ravens and how for all we know the the Bills are going to be 10 and 6 when that week 18 game rolls around so again three tough ones if they're going to get the top seed they're going to earn it down the stretch and we'll see Maybe Mike McDaniel wishes it was a 13-week season so he could just cash out now as the one seed and move on to the postseason. All right. Um, Some may wish it was a 13-week season so they wouldn't have to watch the Week 14 Thursday night game. Two and ten Patriots. I never would have expected to look at the record of the New England Patriots and see two wins against ten losses, yet here we are. They take on the Steelers, who are seven and five. Steelers are favored by six and a half, but the over-under is 30. It's the lowest. It's hilarious. To see that is hilarious. In the NFL (laughs) since 1993. Wow. 30 is the over-under. I'm intrigued on who that was. I'm inclined to think it will go under. 30. I, I feel like 30 is a little too high. I, I mean, 30 would be like point explosion in, in this type of football game. It's the type of type of game, and it would, you know, first off, as, as much of a train wreck as the New England Patriots are in their offense, you know, we've noted this week the defense is legit. I mean, to lose three games and not let up more than ten points is really a remarkable feat. It it makes you wonder if, like, if you didn't see that, you'd go, "Do they know the forward pass was invented? Do they know?" I mean, it's it's crazy. But either way, yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I mean, this game's got thirteen ten. 14-10, about as high as it goes there. Maybe 17-10. I don't see anything more than that. But I think points are at a premium in a big way tonight. There were three games on December 26 of 1993 that had over-unders of 28 or 29. Wow. And three games in 93 had over-unders of 30. So I don't I, – I need to – well, here it is. You got it? We have uh, Indianapolis at New England, 12-26-1993. The over-under was 28. Detroit at Chicago that same day, over-under of 28. And that same day, New Orleans at Philadelphia, over-under of 29.5. I, I don't know if it was like horrible weather that day or well, something. It was definitely ninety three. Was we definitely hit a cold spell, big snow right around there. I remember that because you know I, I just remember it was the year you know the Emmett Smith shoulder game, the Giants last game of the year. 
And I can still remember that was, I think, the next week after the 26. And I remember that whole week being freezing. And I remember snow being on the side of the field for that Cowboys-Giants game. So there must have been bad weather in the Northeast, I'm guessing. Well, and you know what? It's funny. Are you? Yeah, Pete, Pete asks, are you also a weather historian? I see the Chicago, December 1993, 26. The high was 14. And the low was six. Wow. So at a minimum, it was damn cold. That might have had something to do there with There was the tropical low lightning in Pittsburgh last weekend, I'd like to know. Tropical lightning. <laughs> well, I doubt that there's going to be any tonight either on the field or not. off of it. But 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 we watch. I think again this falls into the category of so bad, maybe it'll be good. How low will the scoring be? How will Mitch Trubisky look? How will Bailey Zappi look? These are two of 13 teams who are going to be starting backup quarterbacks or quarterbacks who were benched for performance. So uh, I'm a little confused by what I just said, but let's just go with it. There's two bad quarterbacks playing tonight. I'm just re- sometimes when you read what's on the Come screen, on, Rod Burgundy. Sense. Sometimes, sometimes when you read what's on the screen, it don't make sense. So, uh, regardless, regardless. Okay, Pete's trying to argue with me about how it makes sense. Pete, I defy you to explain to me how that makes sense. We can do that during a break. So, anyway, Bailey Zappi versus Mitch Trubisky, the quarterback showdown you never expected nor wanted. Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick, as Belichick gets closer and closer to what feels like inevitable departure. I want to throw something at you. Okay. Because... You know, basically, at the end of the day, who gives a shit about this game? We're going to watch it. It's on TV. There aren't many Thursday night games left. Let's enjoy it while we can. It's Christmas season. Turn on your tree. Have a little drink. Have a little smoke. And enjoy your evening. Right. Steelers are – it is a playoff berth on the line for the Steelers. So, there's something there. I know so they're funny. playing for something. It doesn't make it a good game. I mean, I'm sorry oh. if the most recent memory of the Pittsburgh Steelers – is them getting the shit kicked out of them by the Cardinals, for crying out loud. So I'm down on the Steelers right now. Um, and, yes, they are the five. Somehow they're the five seed. Yeah, that's There should right. be a rule that if you lose to a 2-10 team, a 2-10 team, it counts as three losses in the standings, not <laughs> one. funny. So, um, so, so, anyway, let me throw this by. Yeah. Every Wednesday afternoon at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, I do a, a little radio segment with 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh. And – They mentioned yesterday that Ed Bouchette, formerly of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and I think the Athletic after that, was on their program and said that Art Rooney II ordered Mike Tomlin to fire Matt Canada. And if that's true, and I have no reason to dispute anything Ed Bouchette says about the Steelers, he covered them forever and still has connections to the organization. Right, right. Okay, so... If that's true, it's not the first time Art Rooney has done something like that. Bruce Arians was led to believe by Mike Tomlin he was getting a new contract after the 2011 season, and then he didn't. Well, it wasn't Tomlin's decision. It was Art Rooney's decision. Too close to Ben Roethlisberger, brought in Todd Haley, and we know how that worked or didn't work. But here's the wrinkle. When you consider where Tomlin is in his current life cycle as a coach, and he's got one year left apparently on his contract after this year, They raise the question, is somebody going to call the Steelers after the season and inquire about a de facto trade for Mike Tomlin? We talk so much about the Steelers never wanting to fire a coach. Could we be at the point where Mike Tomlin decides, I've had enough of this. 
I don't want to be micromanaged by my owner anymore. I want to go somewhere else. I've proven, this isn't 2011, this is 2023. I've proven myself year in and year out. I've never had a losing record. I'm not taking this anymore. What if the planets line up in a way that one of these teams looking for a coach just decides to take a flyer and maybe Art Rooney decides, okay, I'll take whatever you're going to offer. And Mike Tomlin moves on. I'd never thought of it from that perspective, at least not this year. But, I mean, crazier stuff has happened. And they put that idea in my head, and it just makes me wonder. You know, he's been there forever. Yeah. How long is this going to last? And could we be, whether whether it's somebody tries to trade for him this year or he just says no thank you to an extension and does something that coaches in the NFL never do, becomes a free agent. Yeah, uh, listen, he's a great coach. We know that. The only thing that's been an issue the last few years as far as Mike Tomlin is the offensive coordinator conversation. That's been an issue. Now, you certainly can put some blame on him there for, for that situation altogether. But one of the best coaches in football. And I think when you when you look at it, like, it's interesting, right? I haven't put a whole lot of thought into this, but if I'm one of these organizations that's looking around, looking to flip around, you know, our, our whole culture, let's say, the way we're viewed and perceived by the fan base and just give us a new aura, uh, like a la the Washington Commanders or somebody like that, that to me, I mean, Mike Tomlin's made for that change around the vibe, you know, we're a different football team, get everybody in the organization on the same page, give the organization and the team a little bit of an edge and the attitude that's necessary to win football games. Like, you know, if I'm you know one of those teams, a team like Washington in that type of scenario, eh, Mike Tomlin's a guy that I, I certainly would look at. But at the same time, I know – from Mike Tomlin's own mouth, and I don't think he'd have any problem with me sharing this, he views that Pittsburgh Steelers head coaching job as a special, special job. I know that. You know, he's, it's, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers walking by those trophies every day and the history there. I think he takes great pride in being the head coach of the Steelers too. So, you know, I don't envision him searching for anything. I think if, if something does happen, I think it would be more like you said, maybe Mr. Rooney tries to say, hey, it's, it's been enough. The marriage has been great, but maybe it's best for both of us to move on, which I don't envision happening. I can't. I can't imagine because I just yeah. think the Steelers thing has become we've had three coaches since 1969 and you just want to run that as long as you can. Like, you know, when your car is about to go on empty, you want to see how many more miles you can get out of it before it runs out of gas. Let's just see how long this can go. Maybe this is a sign that it's moving toward a point where it doesn't go any farther. I don't know whether or not that's the Steelers attitude and I don't know whether or not Mike Tomlin is thinking about it, but when you consider how long he's been there, you know, there's this question of, for both sides, for either side or both sides, is there a point where it's just time for a change? Change simply for the sake of change. It's been too long. Change is going to benefit everyone. I don't know. I don't know. Because there's also something to be said for continuing to ride it out all the way until he's ready to retire. Because, again, the Steelers are competitive every year. They hit a rough spot, though, and when it happens, you have that group of Steelers fans that are ready to fire Mike Tomlin. And there will be some fans that are very happy when he goes. That's what's kind of sad about all this. I think they've taken for granted how good he's been. And you never know who 
the replacement is going to be and whether or not they're going to be any good. But these are things to factor into how the future may unfold, especially if they miss the playoffs. Yeah. Right now, right. again, after what I saw on Sunday, you know, I'm wrestling with this game. We're going to do the picks later this morning. I'm wrestling with this game because it wouldn't surprise me if the Patriots have a little trick up their sleeve for the Steelers tonight. And Mitch Trubisky, I mean, come on. It's Mitch Trubisky. I know. Even though but I Kenny raised Pickett your hasn't Mitch Trubisky with a Terry come Bradshaw. on, it's Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi. No, I, I mean, I, 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 I hear you. I, I don't mean, listen, that's what's the intrigue of the game. I think what you're talking about. It's so ugly, it's good. It's so going to be about managing the game and doing the right thing as far as coaching and quarterback play that one stupid Mitch Trubisky out route in the tight coverage, pick six, oh, no, we're down 13-6 or something like that, and damn, we don't score touchdowns very easily, and New England doesn't give them up easily. So to your point, I mean, this game can turn – you know, in, in one play because of, yes, the lack of offensive explosion on either side of the ball. So that's where it's going to be delicate. It is. Now, you know, Pittsburgh, for the most part, is used to playing that type of football game. And they're really good at taking care of the football. And, you know, like we always talk about, out hit you. And they just all of a sudden, late third quarter, fourth quarter, they make a play somewhere. Right. And that's kind of how I envision the game going again tonight. You know, as much as I want to give props to New England's defense and all that, and they're they're really good, I just, I mean, Pittsburgh offense isn't good. New England's offense is a dumpster fire. I mean, it's a not not only are they worse than Pittsburgh, I mean, they do dumb shit too. They'll they will throw interceptions and fumble the ball and who knows what else do right now at this moment. So, and then of course you couple that with this list right here. I mean, this is a not very good team with a lot of their better players are questionable or out for the football game. So that's another huge obstacle for this Patriots football team. Now, they're all on offense for the most part, which is a positive thing. The strength of their team is defense, like we're saying. But, man, I mean, the offense, you know, we joke and you take the defense off the field, they can barely go down the field and score touchdowns. And now you got injuries like this to deal with it. It's going to be... It's going to be a struggle for them against that Steelers' day. Yeah, we had that graphic up there. Ramondre Stevenson out with an ankle injury after the hip drop tackle that happened yeah. on Sunday against the Chargers. The one name that stands out, though, and he's questionable with an ankle injury, Juju Smith-Schuster coming back to the place where he started his career, spent a year in Kansas City in his first year now with the New England Patriots. That adds a little something it to does. it. You're right. A little something. A little I doubt something. that he'll be out dancing on the logo before – the game starts like he once notoriously yeah, did that's with the stopped. Bengals. And remember how he got blown up? That was a Monday night game, and that was the end of that. But in New England, check your individuality at the door, no matter how good or bad the team is. That's just the Belichick way. The Steelers have their injury issues as well. Kenny Pickett has that high ankle sprain that had surgery on Monday. Mitch Trubisky is the guy tonight. Najee Harris is actually questionable with a knee injury, among others that are up in the air for the Pittsburgh Steelers as we approach this game but you're right the the bigger injury issues come from the new england patriots and uh healthy or not the patriots have just not been very good and no, look no. i we're gonna watch the game if you're watching this show you're gonna watch the game it's football it's on tv there are playoff implications even though the steelers were not impressive on sunday i'm gonna be curious to see how many empty seats there are yeah steelers 
ownership doesn't like playing night games at home. They have three of them this year. Week two against the Browns. There was a Thursday night game against the Titans. This is the second short week Thursday night game at home this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know what Art Rooney did to piss off 345 Park Avenue. but apparently What is it? What's the logic behind the not liking you know night games at home? It's just like a working class crowd that's got to get up early the next morning yeah. so they don't do gotta it. Got to get up early the next morning. Yeah. You're there late. Right. Because And even though the tickets are all sold, because that's, you know, we had, we had uh, on on Twitter or whatever it's called now. I, I we all know it's called X. It, X just sounds freaking stupid. Just call I keep calling it Twitter. Anyway, there was an image of the Patriots home game against the Chargers on Sunday. And it was half full yeah. at kickoff. Right. And you know, people are like, oh well, they still sold all the tickets. Yeah, but you don't understand. You don't understand. They still need people there to buy all the expensive overpriced food and beer and crap. Right. It cuts into your profit the margin. The parking, the all of don't it. don't show up. Right. You still, you, still have, you still have your full staff there as if it's going to be full. You're paying them. You're not making the revenue you would make if it was full. Those people aren't there to get, to get their, their pockets picked for these ridiculously overpriced things. And it's like people just accept it. We, Atlanta, they do a great job. Cheap food there. Everybody everybody else, they put their thumb on the scale. I mean, it's ridiculous how much stuff costs when you go to a game. So anyway, old man yells at cloud, but that's why Art Rooney doesn't want to have a Thursday night game. Yeah. He wants all those Steelers fans to show up and drink a bunch of Iron City beer and buy a bunch of overpriced hot dogs Sounds and spend a me. bunch of money on popcorn and Damn. Cracker Jack and programs and jerseys Damn. and everything else they're trying to sell. Yeah, I hear That's you. why he wants, you know, a normal game. And they just played at home on Sunday, and it was a horrible experience where you're at the stadium for 20 hours with the two weather delays. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. I, I'm exaggerating, but think about it. You show up to tailgate on a Sunday morning, 9 o'clock. Let's just say 9 o'clock. Yeah. You're, you're there until what? If you stayed for the whole game, you're there until six. You want to go back to that stadium tonight? You're going to go on to to uh, wherever you sell tickets, Ticketmaster or whatever, StubHub, and, and, and sell your tickets and say the hell with it. Good luck finding somebody to buy them if that person was at the game on Sunday. I wouldn't want to go back four nights later and go through that again. Well, we know you wouldn't want to go back, but, you know, most diehard Steeler fans, the, the, I, I think it'll be a good showing tonight. A lot, of, a lot of yellow but seats today. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we stadium. saw that. Those seats are empty. You can see them. Right. It's a, you know, you said yesterday it doesn't sound like it's going to be like too freezing cold out there, so it won't be uncomfortable for the fans. Uh, I'd be, sh- I, yeah, I think we'll see yellow, but I, don't, I, I would be shocked if it's like, you know, half full type of look. That that would surprise me. Again, it's the fifth seed and the AFC playoffs. I definitely will be disappointed in Steeler fans if you are the number five seed and you got a December game and th- you know Thursday night and the stadium's half full. I I do not expect that. And let alone like we're talking about, it should be a good competitive football game. You know the Steelers, Mitch Trubisky, all the things we're talking about, their offense. You know they've shown a little. Hey, can the run games gotten going a little? This Patriots, they stopped the run. They're they're very good run defensive football team. You know, they're probably going to have to win it with Mitch Trubisky throwing the ball, making a few plays to, you know, Pickens and Deontay Johnson. So that's where that's where it's interesting. And, you know, of course, the Steelers defense with some of those injuries on the Patriots offense it could lead to some T.J. Watt highlights and some strip sacks with Trent Brown being out and all of those issues as well. So, 
You know, I think when it's all said and done, and I know we're doing our picks podcast, it'd be pretty hard for me to pick the Patriots tonight uh, just because of that offensive dysfunction that we've seen. And just it's amazing how far they've fallen. But uh, like you said, we'll be watching. It's football. It's on TV. It's standalone. And it's two premier organizations, even though they're not as premier as we know them to be right now at this second. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You mentioned T.J. Watt. He's got 14 sacks this season, second in the NFL. Yeah. There's been some chatter this week about how he gets held right. all the time. And we've been talking about this, how the officials. Two years we've been talking a lot about of it. Holding. Right. A lot of holding because it helps keep the quarterbacks upright. It's no what doubt. makes the, the holding penalty that wiped out the 43-yard gain in overtime for the Jaguars conspicuous. It's evidence of that inconsistency we talk about with officiating yeah. because we've seen worse not get called we see worse not get called all the time the broadcasts don't mention it the game moves on to the next play you rarely have a replay where they say look there were three holds on that play but a lot of times there's three holds on that play as they try to keep the quarterback from getting obliterated by the likes likes or locks of tj watt here's terrell austin the steelers defensive coordinator on this issue of Watt being constantly held TJ runs into what all the elite rushers do. Uh, these guys are going to hold you till they till they can't, uh, because a lot of times that's the only way they can block. Um, I mean, I share in his frustration, but I don't think there's anything that we can do about it. Uh, we can complain and we can do all that, but that really doesn't doesn't solve the problem. So I think we just uh, we just deal with it. We just continue to fight and go. Uh, it's almost like the hack a shack. You know, people would hack shack all the time and. He got fouled so much, and everybody knew it was a foul, but after a while they didn't call it because it was so, it was so doggone good. Look, it's just hold and hold and hold, and you hold blatantly, and you just hope that they won't call it every play. It's what it's what the Seahawks were doing last Thursday night. It's why Pete Carroll was dismayed when it didn't work. Oh, wait, you're actually going to enforce the rules tonight? We can't just mug the receivers every single play, and you're only going to call it one out of ten times, if that often? 
So that's what Watt's facing. But you know what? They can hold him. They can grab him. They can kick him. They can do whatever tonight. It's probably not going to make a difference against that Patriots offensive line and Bailey Zappi. And as we talk it through, for as down as I am on the Steelers for what they did on Sunday, (laughs) think about it. Think about it. They're they're facing an overmatched opponent, and they're going to be pissed off. Right. And right. Mike Tomlin has probably been up their butts all week you about know what they allowed themselves you know it. to step into against the Cardinals. This could be an obliteration. It could be it could be covering the 30-point over-under with the Steelers scoring all the points and the Patriots maybe scoring none of the points. So, uh, no. by the way, yeah. Watt is in the mix for Defensive Player of the yeah, Year at he plus 310. And I'm still astounded Deron Bland is in the conversation. Maybe there's just people out there who don't understand how this works and 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 have been betting on him because he's got those pick sixes. You know, they keep throwing at you when they think you're not very good. And we saw last Thursday night he's not very good. He's not as good as you would you would think. He's not going to end as up good as fourth. he's built to be a little bit. To your he's point, not, yes. he's not. That's my point. That's yes, my point. I right. mean, he's an NFL player. He's a starter. He's, he's got those he's pick good. sixes. He's good. Good. Right. Yes. But he's not elite. He's not elite. He's not the fourth best defensive player in the NFL, which yes. these odds would imply. Thank, it's thank people you. betting being being caught up by the pick sixes, not recognizing there's a reason he's getting all those opportunities. They're not afraid to throw on him, as we saw last Thursday night. That's right. He's a really good player. And then listen, they put him in some tough spots. You know me. That's one thing. I mean he he can be trusted on an island. You know, last week was not his best week. Like you said, he's damn good. He is. He is like, you know, a, a, a budding, like top corner in football type of player. But yeah, I mean, when people go, oh, is he the best defensive player in football? Should he win the D? De- um, that's where I go. Well, come on. This is where we're getting too obsessed with stats. He's the second best corner on his team when he's hel- when Trayvon Diggs is healthy. Now you're going to tell me he's the best player in football. I mean, come on. That's where just everybody looks at stats and just goes from there. That's where I'm a little sick of it. And you know, that's what I'm fighting against is some of this MVP talk everywhere right now. But, you know, Deron Bland does a lot of good things, certainly deserves the credit. But those guys at the top of the list, and if we could bring that list up again, to me, there's nobody better than the three at the top of the list. TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, and Micah Parsons, right? You watch highlights, you go back and watch film, whatever. The way they play the game, the way they stand out when you're watching the football game is unlike any other. It's literally like you're not even have to focus on them and you go, whoa, there was a blur over there. Who was that? Oh, that was Miles Garrett. Oh, it was TJ Watt. Well, who who busted through the line over there and blew up the guard and the fullback and the running running back got tackled for a four year? Oh, that was Micah Parsons. They're they're on another level. And, you know, to your point, nobody gets held. Nobody gets held more than these three. I, I watch, you know me, I'm Ron Jaworski, watch the film all the time. I don't watch all these teams every week on film, but a lot of weeks I do, and it's egregious. It's, yes, the NFL doesn't know what to do with all the good defense alignment in football right now, and the offense alignment, they, they can barely put five out on the f- field. So they've let holding and hooking around the neck and all that become kind of just regular standard procedure for a tackle things that I'd go 10 years ago five years ago that's called holding every play now they kind of let it go because they're like well Michael Parsons will be back here hitting the quarterback every play if we don't start you know if we call holding too much so be interesting down the stretch here because they're three freaks and they just 
absolutely can take over games and, you know, put themselves in a statistical spot to where three weeks from now we could go, oh, my gosh, he's got 20 sacks and he's forced four more fumbles. He is the defense MVP. So let's see what he's got tonight. That's where the NFL's obsession with scoring points, keeping quarterbacks healthy, when they were trying to defend overuse of roughing the passer last year and they sent Troy Vincent to the ESPN Sunday morning yeah. pregame talk table. And he said, and he said, look, the NFL games are the most watched TV shows in America. And in large part, it's because of quarterback play. So we've got to keep quarterbacks healthy. So the NFL games will continue to be the highest rated TV shows in America. And that's where I continue to say there must be a real firewall between your, the, the purity of the game and your business interests. You can't let your business interests dictate how your games are officiated. But we see it happening. Yeah. Whether it's the Lane Johnson half second early yeah, you know right. departure from the stance that has been coming back. Juwan Taylor ruined it for everybody for a while, but that was three months ago. We've all forgotten about it. It's back now, and you see it all the time. That little early start to give you an edge, holding that isn't called to give you an edge, roughing the passer called more than it should be to give you an edge. The Patrick Mahomes unnecessary roughness where he was isn't even out of bounds. And and a Packers player dared to touch him and got flagged for 15 yards. Yeah, ridiculous. It's all about right. we got to keep the quarterbacks healthy. We got to keep the ratings up. We got to keep the money up. It's sad, but it's true. And I understand it, but I don't like it. I understand how an organization can allow itself to be corrupted by the ongoing pursuit of more. Everybody wants more. And Roger Goodell's obsession has been to get, there's some number in the billions, 25 billion, I think it is, that Goodell wants to get to by the end of this decade. Once you accept that that's your goal and not putting the best product possible on the field and ensuring the integrity of the game and the integrity of everything around the game, including the wagers on the game, and it's just grab, grab, grab more money, that's what you get. There's nothing we can do about it other than point it out and say it kind of sucks that that's the way it is. But that's why you see so many uncalled holding penalties. That's why you see left tackles and right tackles leaving early. That's why you see nothing the passer fouls. That's why intentional grounding is a very, very broad, very, you got to do a lot to be flagged for intentional grounding. Yeah, it has to be a great NFL. It's right. all about give the quarterbacks an out, allow them to not get hit and keep them upright because money, 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 money. Yeah, I, 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 you know, you know me. I, 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 you hear me yell every week. I can't take it. I can't. It's, it's a little too much of favoring the offense right now. The real problem is lack of practice, which the offense needs more. The college football, like we've talked about more, and that defenses have figured out the modern-day NFL offense. Right now, in the game of, you know, who's winning, offenses or defenses, defenses right now are a cut above most offenses in football. There's just a lot of basic offenses, offenses all together. I had this little conversation yesterday on my podcast a little bit. Got to reevaluate how they're attacking a little bit. I do. I watch too many games, you know, you know, it's a big, you know, wire points down, you know, and all of that. I think we're talking to some of what those reasons are, 
You know, the running quarterback, I think, is part of that. There's not as many big-time awesome throwers as maybe there was 10 to 15 years ago. We got into a little bit of offenses. We want to be efficient, 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 quarterback rating, efficient, efficient, efficient. And Pete will tell you, you know, on my podcast, I say it a lot. I go, defenses are – you got to call their bluff a little bit. There's so many of them that are just – they're playing for the 5- and 10-yard throw, and they're going, hey, here you go. If you want to throw it 50 yards, it's there. We're, we'll let you do it, but you're too chicken. You're going to look for a five-yard completion over the middle, right? And that, to me, is another part of the, the issue altogether. You know, I, I brought up a, an example of Shanahan. You know, Shanahan kills people, right, with five- and ten-yard passes. Debo Samuel, Kittle, boom, 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 play action, boom, boom, boom. And then they play a defense, and D'Amico Ryan's doing it in Houston right now, Right where they go, we don't. Uh, I, I do this to other defenses, so don't let teams do it to us. Right, take that away, and therefore they take some chances. And think about the Netflix with Patrick Mahomes. Right, remember what he said when he was playing the 49ers? They called his bluff. They were like, "You're not throwing it five and ten over the middle of the Kelsey. We're going to give you fifty down the middle, forty down the sideline. If you want it, you got to throw it and do it." And Mahomes was like, "Yeah, you're going to do that to me, right?" Remember, he went through all that whole charade. And they started to attack it. That's another thing I see across football. Teams just daring teams to throw the ball down the field. And offensive coordinators scared to do it because they're afraid of the efficiency or the quarterback rating or whatever. I didn't mean to go on this rant, but it's a good subject. And it, it deserves some unpacking maybe one day in a, in a deeper conversation. And it's a shame, too, because my favorite play in football is the deep throw. Because when that ball is in the air, if you're watching the game on TV, when the ball's in the air... There's that moment of wonder because you have no idea who's going to be there when the ball comes down. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. like, you just see the that quarterback look The confidence, back. right. Yeah. The confidence was with which the quarterback throws the ball tells you somebody is wide ass <laughs> right, down right, the field. Right. But it's just that idea of that second or two, the ball's in the air, and is it going to be nobody? Is it going to be an interception? What's it going to be on the other end? And we don't see that nearly enough in today's NFL. We really don't. And I love that moment. Um, so maybe, maybe that's where the adjustment will be, especially as we get closer to the postseason. Maybe people will be less concerned about stats and more concerned about doing what is necessary. No, that, it does, that's game. usually what happens because it is your better teams and it's win or go home and teams start to look at, wait, that, it's hard to beat this defense. What do we do? What do we do? And then they go, well, damn, they're kind of calling our bluff on this. We got to do that, right? You know, Gruden used to say things like when defenses would do a little crazy stuff or stuff that you felt like that's not really good, he'd go, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to them. We owe it to the league to show them they can't do this, right? And, you know, I go back to, like, the Houston Texans-Denver Broncos game from last week. There was a number the, – the, the Houston Texans were all about taking away intermediate, middle-of-the-field throws. And within that, okay, you're trying to stop a lot of different stuff. They were putting Jalen Petrie, their safety, in some positions where he was one-on-one -on -one against Cortland Sutton, a number one – you know, borderline, big-time awesome receiver against a safety who has no business covering him one-on-one. -on -one. 
And right, and it was about the third quarter where Sean Payton finally looked at and goes, "We can't let him do this. We got to start throwing the ball deep on him." And that's when he hit the touchdown to Cortland Sutton. And of course, they attacked him on the great interception by Stingley. That was a double move on Petrie. But that's to my point, and we'll see where it goes. But you know, hopefully, we'll see some deep shots tonight from uh, either Pittsburgh or New England, and add to a little excitement to this football game. By the way. That day in December of 1993 with three over-unders at 29 or 28, all three overs hit that day. Wow. If that means anything for tonight, and it means absolutely nothing at all, but just to complete that thought, the weather wasn't the factor that people apparently thought it was. All three overs hit in those games. All right, the Cowboys and the Eagles. A classic. First time, I saw this yesterday, first time ever, I think, that the or first time in however long it's been, a long time. The Cowboys and the Eagles are both this good this late when they get together in the season. And a curveball for the Cowboys yesterday. Mike McCarthy, acute appendicitis, had surgery yesterday. Appendectomy, I assume. Plans the coach on Sunday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I, look, I, I don't know anything about recovering from an appendectomy. But anytime they open your body up, and take something out and close it up again. There's a recovery process from that, as you know. Now, your situation with a spleenectomy, far different. Emergency, life or death, get this thing fixed, that's far different. But still, the idea, and I know appendectomies are routine, they happen all the time, you never know when you're going to get appendicitis, and that's all they can do, open you up and take your appendix out, and that's that. But still, I, you know, he's going to coach Sunday night. Yeah. it just feels like a tall order when you've had surgery on Wednesday to be standing for three hours on a sideline on Sunday night. I, I wonder if coaching means being upstairs. I mean, on your feet for three hours, and he's kind of a big guy after having your appendix out it's this week. It's a big week, ask, yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. You know, they, I, I never like to see things like this happen. And, of course, never like to see them happen, you know, selfishly. When it's a big game and you want to see both teams at their best and no distractions or anything like that, you know, and Mike McCarthy's a damn good football coach. So him not being able to be in the building and, you know, Hey, we should do this or, Hey, I like that. And of course he's a big part of their offensive game planning that, that hurts them a little bit. There's no doubt. I mean, he's, he's the best coach in their organization. He's not there to help them prepare for the biggest game of the year so far for them. So that, that, that does stink. Now, yeah, to your point, I, I'm with you. That's going to be a tall order. It can be done, but I, I mean, I don't know Mike McCarthy that well. But knowing from what people say and all that, he's the t- he's a tough sob. He's going to be he's going to do everything he can to stand on the sidelines to make sure he knows you know his troops know. Hey, the general's here. I'm leading you. Let's go. And uh, if you made me bet, I bet you we see him too. Even though he might not look totally 100% and look a little unhealthy, uh, I still think he's going to be on the sidelines for this one because of the importance of it. Defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, who presumably would take over if McCarthy couldn't coach on Sunday night, fully expects it. He said yesterday to reporters, you think that tough Irishman is going to miss this game? We certainly expect him to be rocking by game day. That's what they expect. But, you know, here's the thing. And this is tough to do. This is Trevor Lawrence walking up the tunnel and not taking the cart. And he admitted yesterday what we speculated. It's not because he didn't have a cart. 
not because carts are outlawed in Florida. Yeah. It's because guys he don't want to go in the cart, and he wants to show he can do it. Right. I'm gonna walk. Yeah. Damn it. Right. Well. Okay, so Mike McCarthy says, I'm going to coach, damn it. Right. And he's not doing as good of a job as he could have done. He's calling the plays offensively. Like, if he's in pain, if he's in distress, if he feels like crap, does that affect his his ability to think clearly? I don't know. But I just, look, this is a curveball that the Cowboys would have preferred to not have. It would be great if he can do it. I just think that having not had an appendectomy, I do the math, and I think – you know, yeah, yeah, there's a chance that hey. he's going to be feeling like crap sure. on Sunday night. Sure. Yeah, no, there there is a chance, you know, and is this something that, you know, again, is a, a downfall for the Cowboys and that, or is it something the players rally around a little bit to pick up their coach here? No, they, we'll see where it goes, but, you know, like we talked and started the show and this segment you know, with with the Miami Dolphins, you know, we can have the same conversation with the Dallas Cowboys. We know they're damn good. We do, right? They're they're definitely one of the best teams in football. It's just like, how good are they? Do they deserve to be up there close to the 49ers in that class? I don't know. Again, they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. They don't beat the teams that are even or slightly better than them. They've been fortunate with their schedule. We're going to get a good feel for what exactly they are here in the next four weeks because they got legit playoff football teams coming into town or they're going to their town or whatever. But, yeah, this Sunday, that's what I'm excited to see is just, you know, hey, early in the season, you lose to the Cardinals. Okay, it's early in the season. We know that. You know, get blown out by the, the 49ers somewhat early in the season. And, again, I think the blowout's a little misleading. But, again, I don't put too much stock into the way teams look totally through first four or five weeks of the year. Ever since then, they have definitely looked like one of the best teams in football. And like you always say, when they beat you, they don't beat you. They beat the crap out of you. And they blow you out of the freaking building. Other than last week, that's pretty much what they do. So that's where I'm interested. And, of course, with the Eagles, they're reeling right now. The Eagles have been outplayed three weeks in a row. Their quarterback has been outplayed by the other quarterback three weeks in a row. Their defense is letting up big plays and yards really four or five weeks in a row. And now the Cowboys with Dak Prescott, one of the hottest offensive teams in football, they got to deal with that. And that's where it's going to be going to be interesting. So uh, we have the game of the week. There's no doubt about that. And I can't wait for it. And I think it's personal and it means something. And this whole McCarthy things adds a little bit more of a, you know, flavor to the whole conversation as well. And they're lucky they don't have to go on the road this week. That would add a complication to the whole. Oh, you're right. Recovery, right. You know, flying, traveling, yeah. getting jostled around. He's home. They're home. And they're much better at home than they are on the road. So that is the game of the week. Sunday Night Football, NBC, Peacock. Coverage begins 7 o'clock Eastern with Football Night in America. Let's take a break. When we return, a big late afternoon game for Week 14. Chiefs hosting the Bills. In a season of plenty of quarterback injuries, both starters, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, are on the injury report. Will they be good to go? And will this game deliver like some of their past postseason matchups have? We'll break that one down next here on PFT. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. 
Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.